there are churches meeting in the woods and stuff when it's cold and when it's raining and when, it, you know, in buildings without heat. It wasn't too many year, long years ago that around in our part of the country, you know, they had pot belly stoves to get warm in the morning and, and uh, it was a cold, cold ride in and a cold ride home. And I tell you, we got it pretty good. We're pretty, uh, pretty uh, fat and sassy nowadays, aren't we? <laughs> we got it really good and praise the Lord for that. Ephesians chapter 5, Brother Jim read our text this morning. We have seen in Ephesians chapter 5, we saw it in verse 8, <clears throat> that we are light, right? You who were light, who were darkness are now light. We weren't in darkness and we aren't in light. We were darkness and now we are a light. If you're saved this morning, you are light. You are the light of the world. God intends you to live as light. And if you are a light in the world, we are told here in Ephesians 5, 11, and 12 that we're not supposed to be fellowshipping with darkness. Now, that doesn't mean, as we know, it doesn't mean you don't go out and try to confront the world with the gospel. That is absolutely different. We know, we know the difference between being a friend to the world and a friend of the world. There is a difference, and we know the difference in that. And so we are not to be fellowshipping with darkness. In Ephesians 5.15, if, if we're going to have the, uh, the wisdom to not fellowship with darkness, we're going to have to walk, the Bible says, circumspectly. And when he said, what is that like? That's like walking across a floor that has a broken glass. I mean, you are going to watch every step you take to try to get across that floor without getting a sliver of glass in your foot. This is how we are to live our life, right? The world, the flesh, and the devil, that's broken glass all over the floor. And we're trying to navigate our life as a children of God, as light in this world, not fellowshipping with darkness. We are going to try to navigate this world, and the way we do it is by watching every step that we take. We are walking circumspectly in this world. And, uh, and finally, it says, if we're going to walk circumspectly, Ephesians 5, 16, uh, so as not to fellowship with the darkness of this world, we are going to have to live, we are going to live a way of what's called redeeming the time. And it says that in verse 16, redeeming the time for the days are evil. See, after the fall of Adam and Eve, the default way to spend the time that God has given you after the fall, our time is now limited, right? How many realize we're, we're on limited time? How many think, I'm on borrowed time right now, friend. I'm not even limited. I'm on borrowed time. You know that the clock is running out. You know that the hourglass, if your life were an hourglass, you would see the, it's, it's the, and you know what happens when it gets here, all of a sudden it goes, and it's gone, right? How many had an old Chevrolet truck, and man, you had a full tank for three weeks, then that one day you got in, it was on empty. It, you, you remember those? The, 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 they would hang up for several days. And it's like, man, I'm getting the best gas mileage I've ever gotten. Half tank, um, boy, it hit a three-quarter quarter of a tank left, and it just dropped, right? And that's how our life feels sometimes, doesn't it? Seems like we have all the time in the world. And after the fall, we have limited time. And after the fall, the default way to spend your time, right, is on the world, the flesh, and the devil. To spend it on sin and to spend it on self. That was the default way to spend time. That's the way it goes for everybody. So watch this. When we live for God, when we choose to live for God, we are taking back the time that would have been spent on the world, the flesh, and the devil, on self and sin, and we choose to live it for God. 
right? We have a, a, only this amount of time left. Maybe you got saved. Here's your life. Maybe you got saved right here. And what we do, once you get saved, you're indwelt by the Spirit of God, and you begin to redeem the time that's left. Now you're going to live from here to here for God, right? That's redeeming the time. Watch. If you're going to live a life that is redeeming the time, you're going to have to walk in the Spirit, this is the, the theme of, he, he, of Ephesians chapter 5. We see it here in verse 18. Look what our text says. It says, And be not drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. This, I said this last Sunday night. This is a compare and contrast. It is not speaking about alcohol uh, per se, but it is speaking about drunkenness. And the, the, the illustration is, don't be controlled Filled and controlled with alcohol, like don't be filled and controlled with anything like alcohol will control a body filled with it. Be controlled by the Spirit of God, right? And I'll tell you this, you cannot walk in the Spirit while you are full of alcohol. That's not possible, okay? Amen. Amen. All right, I think we're on the same page here, I hope. Verse 19, but be, or verse 18, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart as unto the Lord. So what we see here from the rest of Ephesians chapter 5 and into Ephesians chapter 6, we see the evidences of walking in the Spirit, right? We are light. We are not supposed to be fellowshipping with darkness. We are supposed to be walking circumspectly. We are supposed to be redeeming the time. The only way we can live that life is to live it walking in the Spirit. And here's some evidences of that. So let me, before I go on, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Let me, let me say it this way. Every time you obey the Spirit of God the, through the Word of God, every time you come to a crossroad in your life and you say yes to God, you are walking in the Spirit. It is not some weird mystical thing that you're floating around in, right? It's not some weird thing. It's like, oh, God just told me, and off you go over it here. And oh, oh, off you go over it here. No, no. sometimes the Holy Spirit says, you need, would you talk to them? Would you? I mean, no, absolutely, the Lord. But listen, uh, that, is not always, that is not an everyday thing. You don't live your life that way. The Bible doesn't teach that. Walking in the Spirit is walking in obedience to the Word of God. And every time we do that, we're walking in the Spirit. Here's some evidences, some outward evidences that you have chosen to walk in the Spirit. You know what happens when you obey God? You know what the, 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 the natural outcome of obedience to the Word of God is joy. Joy, right? Peace. Look at this, singing. Singing. It doesn't mean you're going out loud singing. Look, it says in your heart. Watch, listen, listen to me. The melody, God's melody, begins inside and it works outside. There is a joy, that song goes, there's a joy in serving Jesus. There is joy in serving Jesus. Obedience, let me say it this way, obedience is its own reward. And it's amazing if you'll obey God, you'll never experience the joy anywhere in life as you do in the joy of obedience. It brings about singing, look at this, singing in your heart. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, right? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and making melody in your heart, right, to the Lord. It's unto the Lord. Listen, when joy comes from walking in the Spirit, it's not the world songs that come to your mouth, Right? No, listen, it's not. If, you, if, you're, if the world song comes to your mouth, you're not, I can tell you, there's that evidence, you're not walking in the Spirit. 
That's the flesh. It's the flesh. Well, it's just, it, it's the flesh. Psalms, what is that? The word of God to music. Hymns, hymns that, that, that are, uh, uh, a hymn is a style of music that's written. You'll have, like we sing here, these hymns. There's hymns and choruses in this book. But what we sang today, we sang all hymns. You'll have verses, chorus, verse, chorus. They're hymns. They have a theme. They have a, have a godly theme. And then it goes on psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, right? Some choruses. Right? There's some courses that we sing. There's things that we have. I just mentioned in Sunday school, in his time, in his time, God makes all things beautiful in his time. Lord, please show me, uh, show me how today, that living in your way. Oh, in his time. There we go. You like that? I forgot it. It's a hymn. It's a little, it's a little spiritual song. Watch this. You know what you'll notice? Psalms last forever. Hymns come and they last a long time, but they don't always last forever. Spiritual songs don't usually last very long. They come and they go. Little ditties and things. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting. They're not wrong. They, they just sometimes don't have the longevity. None of those have the longevity of the Word of God put to music. Right? Uh, the song. It's kind of an interesting thing to think about. But listen, this is an evidence of walking in the Spirit. It's a song in the heart. Notice this. We noticed there was thankfulness for all things. We saw that last Sunday night. That we're thankful uh, for all things. That's big. Listen. There's no way that we can be thankful for some of the things that have came into our life except we are walking in the Spirit. There's no way. There's no way. When Jesus was on this earth, He said, I thank Thee, my Father, that Thou hearest me. He was thankful even though He was on His way to Calvary. That's why He came. He was thankful for all things. It's an example that we have before us. Are you thankful for everything this morning? Are you thankful? Are you thankful? You ought to be. You ought to be. But notice the third thing, verse 21. The evidence, the evidence of the indwelling Spirit of God. Of not just that you're indwelt by the Spirit. Listen, you can be indwelt by the Spirit and not walk in the Spirit. Two different things. The evidence, an outward evidence that you're walking in the Spirit is this attitude, look at this, of submission. Notice here, verse 21. Um... Where am I? Oh yeah, chapter 5, verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now this covers everything. Today I'm not going to get into the, the, the three different areas of submission within this text today. This morning all we're going to look at is the subject of order and submission. That we are to live lives of submission. It says to submit one to another. To submit one to another. We sh- what is this? This is, uh, as child- children of God, if you're walking in a spirit, you will be walking in an attitude of submission and humility to ever, however that structure is in your life today. And there are three areas of submission that I'd like to look at in our world. I just want to look at three areas this morning, and uh, we'll make some application here in a little bit. But we're going to see submission in creation I'm going to show you submission in creation. I'm going to show you submission in relationships. And I'm going to show you submission in the Godhead. Creation, human relationships, and in the Godhead. Verse 21, submitting yourselves. That word submit means to arrange under, to subordinate. This is a choice. To subject, to put in subjection, to subject one's self. To obey, 
to submit to someone's control, to submit to that control, to yield to one's admonition or advice, right? That's submission, to obey or to be subject. This is the definition of submission. Now, I want to show you this here this morning, and I want to see, you can go back to Genesis chapter 1, you're very familiar with this. Genesis chapter 1, I want to show you this morning, submission in creation. God created the heaven and the earth, we're told here in Genesis 1.1 in the beginning. God created the heaven and the earth. God is creator. We agree with that this morning. Amen? Amen. God, listen, as the creator, as the creator, he has authority over his creation. Amen? Think about that. Amen? He has authority. This is an easy one. I'm giving you easy ones here. You can reply to. God has authority over his creation. Why? Because the one who creates, you can do with what you want with it, right? Right? If, if uh, Alan goes out and he, and he builds a lawnmower out of a bunch of different parts and puts this dude, now let's say a chainsaw. That's way more cool. He has a good chainsaws. And he has a chainsaw and he takes a couple together and he has to put one to part and he builds this monster saw. He gets a 24-inch bar instead of this dumb 18-inch one it came with and he changes the carburetor out and he rejets it and he does all these cool things and fires that thing up and it sounds like a little 125 Yamaha dirt bike, you know, and he builds that. I mean, this thing, I mean, it'll cut through a, yeah, I mean, a four-foot wide oak tree. I mean, this thing's awesome, right? If he wants to, he can go throw it off cliff. It wouldn't be wise, maybe, but you can. The wiser thing to do is just give it to your pastor. That's the best thing to do with them. He already did that with one of them. What a blessing that is. Used it yesterday. Boy, I've used the tar out of that thing. I love it. And, uh, but he can do what he wants with it. Why? You built it. Steel isn't going to call and say, hey, what did you do with our saw? Once you paid the money for it, man, that's yours. You can do it, right? Hey, once you built it, that is yours. God is creator. He has the authority all over, over all of his creation. Why? Because he made every aspect of it. Now, let me tell you this this morning. Don't forget this. You and I are created beings. Amen? Amen. We are created. What does that mean? God has authority over us. He made us. He can do what he wants with us. Aren't you thankful that his character isn't like the character of, the, of fallen humans, that he's cruel to his creation? No, he's not. He never is. God created the heaven and the earth. We are created. And God's creation has an order. It has an order. We see in verses 3 through 5, we see that God created light. We see in verses 6 through 8 that God created the firmament. What does that mean? He took the waters that were under the heaven and he collected them up and put the waters over the heaven, over the firmament. That word firmament literally means as a, a meaning of liquid steel. And scientists have found out when you get to, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe you get around negative 176 degrees in the atmosphere, you get this liquefied type of a substance that is like a liquefied steel. And this is what the firmament was. It kept back a certain amount of waters on the, uh, above the firmament, and it created a canopy that we, we see over the earth, and it created, the Bible says, a mist came up from, from out of the earth, and it watered itself that way. There was not rain, there was not clouds, there was not storms. Or, the sun was... was, uh, was um, 
I'm shielded from earth, all right? The oxygen levels we know would have been a lot higher. I mean, there's a lot of neat things that the earth was before the flood, but God created the firmament. He made that. When the flood came, that firmament broke. The waters of the deep broke, came up from under the ground. The firmament waters came down onto the earth, and man, it flooded, and it was huge. But He created firmament on the second day. Day three, he created dry land. What did he say? He took all the water that was around the face of the deep and he pushed it to different places. And the land came up and the seas were, were created. And out of that dry land, the vegetation grew up. We see that in verses 9 through 13. And day four, we see that he created the stars and the planets and would have been the moons and uh, the moon and all of the other things that he would have created uh, on day four. And then uh, day five, he created the water creatures and the winged fowl. That's verses 20 through 23. Then on day six, Adam was created in verse 26 through 31. If you'll notice the order... The day created was necessary. The first day was created for the next day. You couldn't have day two before day one. You couldn't have day three before day two. You couldn't have day four before day three. What, it, what does it show here? Incredible order. Everything is in order. This is who God is. The entire universe operates Within this order, everything ultimately operates under the authority and the order of the creator, of our creator God. The Bible says that he holds all things together by the word of his power, right? He has made it all, and because he said so, it all stays in, in, in line and it all moves within order. You've heard it said, you know, know it's true. If the sun were to move one way or the other, just a fraction, an absolute fraction, we would either freeze or burn up one or the other, and it stays right where it is. This is our creator God. Hey, he, is, he has created, he is a God of order, and he has created a universe of order. Light doesn't say, nope, I'm done, I'm out. The sun's like, I've had enough of this. I'm done. Right? It doesn't say that. The fish, hey, the fish don't choose to, to fly as birds, right? And, 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 grow, and, and the birds don't decide to go grow gills and live in the water. There's not been one to do that. I, listen, even with their billions of years, right, they, they can't prove that, that it's ever happened. And you know what? In all of our observable 6,000 years, we've never seen it. Anybody ever seen a bird grow gills? Right? Some, somebody posted on, on, on a Twitter the other day, this liberal posted this on Twitter about how clownfish, and I thought it was so apropos that he used a clown because he was a clown for posting it, how a, how a clownfish can uh, change genders, right? The, the clownfish don't really change genders, okay? There's some things in there. And he, 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 but the thing is, even there's some things that can go on with the clownfish, he likened it to humans and said, see, humans can change genders. Now, I couldn't leave it alone. I couldn't, right? Because I said, well, then I guess that correlation would be uh, apropos for apes, for uh, baboons to humans, which, you know, baboons do, uh, never mind. They do some things, listen, they do some things to show dominance that is not acceptable among man and among the human world. And nobody is saying, well, hey, nobody goes to the baboon and go, oh, you bad baboon, you shouldn't have done that, right? You shouldn't have shown your dominance that filthy way, right? Yeah, yeah, they don't do that. Anyway, clown. 
We don't see this happening. Fish, no, they don't know what, what I'm saying. God's creation is, a, is created in order and it has stayed that way. Watch this. The only part of God's creation that fights against its order is you and I. That is it. How is that even possible? Well, because he saw fit to give us a free will. He saw fit to create us after his likeness and image. What? We have personality. We have ability to think and to reason and to love and to contemplate and to things that way. He made us that way. And so today we see this, that uh, God has created man with roles and responsibility. He has created a woman with roles and responsibility. And today man is not just fighting God's rule over their life. Watch this. It used to be they just fought God in certain different ways. But today we have gone so far down the road of rebellion. Now we are actually fighting God against something that we can't even change, which is gender. I'm telling you, it is the ultimate fist at God to say, well, I wasn't born male, I was born female. Well, I don't even, I just don't feel like I'm male. I feel like I'm female. I don't even feel female. I feel like I'm a male. Let me ask you this. How would a female know what a male feels like? How would a man know what a woman feels like? Amen. <laughs> it's, we don't. Right? That's like a cat saying, I, 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 just, I, just, I just feel like a dog. How would you know what a dog feels like? It's not possible. There's order in our creation. There's order. Everything within God's creation, watch this, is submissive to that order except us. The birds don't choose to do anything different. The fish don't choose to do anything different. The, the stars and the moon and the galaxies don't choose to do anything different. They all stay within God's created order. Watch. If they're within, if, when you stay in that order, what are you doing? You're staying in Submission. Submission. Now, I'm going to show you this. Not only submission in creation, but there's submission within relationships. We're here in Genesis, and we know that God created Adam on day number six. On day six, Adam was given the parameters of his food source. He told him, all of the trees of the garden you can eat, but the only one you cannot eat is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch it. We didn't say don't judge it. Don't eat of it. Don't eat of it. Do you realize as Adam and Eve trotted over to that one tree, they no doubt passed thousands that they could have eaten to get to the one they couldn't. Isn't that what we do? We pass the, the thousands of things that God says, okay, and we go to the one thing that he says, no. <laughs> right? it's, just, it's just we've inherited that. And all of the trees, right? Except in the tree of knowledge given to him. He was given a responsibility. Watch, he was given parameters of his food source. He was given a responsibility to keep and to dress the garden. He was given a responsibility to name the animals. Watch, and he alone, Adam alone, was given the, the direction of God. He alone was given the word of God. He held what God had told him personally okay it's his so watch this he says don't eat this and do eat that it's that simple one rule you ever heard somebody say you had one job all you had was one job that's what my brother told me the whole time he helped me on a job a couple of years ago every time he messed something up he'd go you had one job you know <laughs> i couldn't even do it he said i couldn't even do one job 
See, Eve was created later, right? The animals are great. Adam's been naming them all, right? But God looked down and said, it's not good for man to be alone. It wasn't a good thing. And so God created Adam and helped meet. She watched, she, and helped meet. She was to help Adam accomplish what God gave him to do. You know where a, a, a wife finds fulfillment? She finds fulfillment in helping her husband accomplish what God has given him to do. Whether it's go to the construction site, whether it's go to the office, whether it's to be in ministry, whether it's to drive a truck, whether it's whatever it is that God has given you to do, that is what God, that is where you'll find the fulfillment, great fulfillment in your life. She used to help Adam. She was taken from his side. You've heard these illustrations before. Not from his head to rule over him, not from his feet to be walked all over, but from his side. She's a help meet and help meet. She was presented to Adam. God created her, put her asleep at a, at a uh, Brother White in, in, uh, in uh, one of the classes he used to teach. He said, why did God put Adam to sleep? He said, well, he would have helped. <laughs> he said, no, not that. No, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. Yeah. He said, man, he says, men still do the same thing. God gives them a wife and they still try to, still try to make them different. Uh, yeah. He presented her to Adam. Here you go. Woke him up. Here you go. What did he say? Whoa, man. Right. Woman. Yeah, I like that. That's what he said. What did Adam do? He gave, watch, he gave Eve the word of God. Adam was created first, the Bible says. Eve came second. Adam was given the word of God. Watch, Adam was to give Eve the word of God. Genesis chapter 3, look at verse 2 and 3. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said. <clears throat> now did God ever tell Eve one-on-one? -on -one? No. Why could she say with such authority, God said? Because, watch, her priestly head, Adam, who heard from God directly, told her. What was he doing? He Listen, men, this is your role in, the, in your home. You are to teach your family, including your wife, the Word of God. Yeah. You said she can't learn the Word of God for herself? Of course she can. Of course she And of course she should. But it's your responsibility to teach. Adam, she got this from Adam. You shall, yea, it should, uh, and, and, and where, 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 where am I at? Verse 2. Verse 3, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. <laughs> you silly girl. You believe that? Yeah. Watch what he did. He started with rejecting the word of God. Then he tripped her up because she goofed up in what she said. She added to the word of God. And the moment he pointed that out, that got her. Yeah. Can I tell you this? He questioned what Eve believed. She believed this. What did Satan do? He reversed the role of attack. He reversed the roles. He approached Eve with the questions regarding the Word of God. He never approached Adam. 
Because Adam wouldn't have, he, he wouldn't have fell for it. He reversed the roles. He went to Eve. What did Eve do? She went to Adam. Emotionally. Here. See? What did Adam do? He stood by without even stopping the discussion. You see, in one area, Adam was there. He was the one who heard from God personally. He should have intervened. But then now Eve tempts Adam to take the fruit as well. What happened? Eve did not maintain her subjection to Adam, and Adam did not maintain his subjection to God. Out of order. That's exactly what Satan does. He will get things out of order. He will deceive you into getting things out of order. Once he gets it out of order, he can attack. Yeah. When order, when order and submission fall apart, sin comes and hurts everybody involved. I'm not just, listen, I'm talking about all of us. We all have an area of submission to who we submit to in our life. <clears throat> when, when submission falls apart, you will have confusion, confusion, watch, of gender, right, that we see magnified today. Confusion of gender when submission falls apart. Yes, because roles are switched. It's, it's very innocuous when, you're, when it's uh, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. It's not a big deal then. But no, today we've seen the fruit of it. And it, it's, it's grown and blossomed into something. To, to when, when 30 years ago they would have been in an insane asylum. And we're, and we're approving it. I'm telling you, this is, this is uh, most of what's going on that we're seeing today is absolute child abuse. Amen. Child abuse. Speaking of 30 years ago, listen to what John Phillips said. He wrote this. Nothing is more unsightly than to see, a, to see a woman develop dominant masculine traits or a man exhibiting marked female traits. It's beyond that today. <laughs> yeah. What happened? Out of order. Rejection against God's order. And when you reject God's order, you are rejecting submission because you're choosing not to follow that order. Yeah. <clears throat> so let me go on. We understand the world rejecting God. We really do, don't we? That makes sense. But how is it that supposed believers reject God's order? We battle with it, don't we? Right? I want to go on to the last thing. I want to show you something here. We'll be done. I want to show you submission in the Godhead. Let me say this. God, listen closely. God is submissive. Is that shocking? It's true. I want to show you, first of all, I want to show you the, the Godhead involved was all involved in creation. The, uh, the, the entire Godhead was involved. Genesis 1, we see that God created. In Genesis 2, 2, we see the Spirit of God moved upon the face of, of the deep. In Genesis 1, 26, when it came time to create man, God said, Let us make man after our likeness and image. Us and our. Who was that? Us and our. Yeah. John 1, 1 through 2, we see that. All, the Bible says all things were made by him. 
All things were made made, and there is not anything made that was made. Who made it? Jesus Christ. So watch. It was the Father's role and decree to create. It was the Father's role, His desire, I should say, and His decree to create. It was the Son's role to speak it into existence. It was the Spirit of God's role to, as the Bible says, move upon the face of the earth. That is that word, uh, the same word to flutter and to shake up what was already there on planet earth. In Genesis 1-2, we see that word uh, moved. He moved upon the face of the earth. Do you know there's only two times that word that is translated moved is used in all of the Pentateuch. There's only two times that Moses used that word. He used it in Genesis 1-2, and uh, he used it also in Deuteronomy 32-11 when it talks about a, a, an eagle that stirreth up the net. It says she fluttereth over over the young there in Deuteronomy 32-11. That word fluttereth and that word moved are the same Hebrew word. It means to shake up and to flutter. This was the role of the Holy Spirit of God in creation. He got it all going. Jesus spoke it into existence. The Holy Spirit of God brought it into being. How do you explain all of that? It's tough. It's a tough one. In Genesis 1, the Bible says it was without form and void, right? Do you know where they were in Deuteronomy 32, 11? The Bible says they were in a desert land. Can I tell you that was the same word as without form and void in Genesis 1? Same Hebrew word. What an illustration we have here. We have the wilderness, right, with God, the Spirit of God leading Israel through a wilderness. And then we have a earth without form and void, a wilderness of its own with the Spirit of God involved Involved at creation. What am I saying here? The entire Godhead was involved at creation. Watch, it revealed order. Order within the Godhead. Order within the Godhead. Can I tell you the same God that was involved at creation is the same God that was involved in salvation? Yeah. I hope I'm not boring you too bad. Some of you look real bored. Is the same, listen, it's the same Godhead involved in salvation. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What do we see? That the Father gave Jesus. It was in the mind of the Father to, to redeem a fallen world back to Himself. First uh, John 4, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. It was the role and the desire and, and, and the decree of the Father to redeem us back to himself. Luke 19.10, well, John 3.16, so what did he do? He gave us, the Father gave us Jesus. In Luke 19.10, Jesus said of himself, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And then in John 3, uh, 5 and 6, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit, Spirit is spirit. What do you see? The, in, in salvation, the involvement of the entire Godhead. The Father wanted His creation redeemed. The, Jesus' role was to pay the sacrifice, to present Himself the sacrifice, shed atoning blood to pay for the sin of mankind. The Spirit of God's role was to draw mankind to Jesus Christ. The entire Godhead 
is involved in salvation. Watch this. There's a chain of command in the Godhead that reveals submission. John 4.14 The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. In John 15.26 The Son sent the Holy Spirit. It says, But the Comforter whom I will send to you from the Father. The Son sent the Holy Spirit. Watch this. The Holy Spirit brings people to Jesus. John 6, 44, Jesus said, No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. John 12, 32, he said, And I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. How does he draw? John 16, 8, And when he has come, he will reprove the world of, right, of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Who is that? He's speaking of in that verse the Holy Spirit of God. Watch this. The Father sent the Son. The Son sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings people to Jesus. Jesus brings them to the Father. There's a chain of command in the Godhead. Right. There's order and submission in creation. There is order and submission in relationships. There is order and submission within the Godhead. If you don't remember anything I've said today, remember this. God is submissive. God is submissive. We well, said, well, Jesus submitted. He's God. <laughs> Amen. That is an attribute of God. The Holy Spirit, submissive. Submission. What does our text tell us? That we're to submit one to another. Submit one to another. Let me ask you this morning and we're done. Do you have a submissive spirit? You. I've already asked me, okay? You. Do you have a submissive spirit? 1 Peter 5, 5-6 through 6 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. We like that one. The elder, more elder we get. <laughs> it's like, yeah! Bunch of rotten kids, do what I tell you. Can, can I show you something? Can I remind you? I've got to go back to this. Can I remind you something about submission? Remember, remember what the, the definition of submission? Listen to this. To yield to one's admonition or advice. So, well, you're not authority over me. Well, why don't you just have a submissive spirit and realize that maybe God has put them in your life to warn you about something, right? Yeah. How many of you realize this? The older you get, how submissive you got to be to your children who once were submissive to you. They're starting to take care of you now. Can I, can you do, would you do this with your children, please? Don't be a pain. Have a submissive spirit. They're trying to help. And if they're really not helpful, find somebody who is. <laughs> write them out of your will and write me in there and I'll help you out, okay? I'll help you. No. Submission. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Uh-oh. Now we're going to meddling, right? No, no, it's the word of God. All of you, 
Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed, here it is, with humility. You know how you, know how you can assure yourself that you're going to live in an attitude of submissive, submission? Is if you live in a place of humility. Right? Listen, you will never find a, find a, pride person submiss- a proud person submissive. It's the opposite. And here it goes on. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourself therefore into the mighty hand of God and he that he may exalt you in due time. Can I tell you our difficulty in submitting to God's order is found in this verse right here. It's difficult when you lack humility. Be clothed with humility. Humble yourself, he says. Then he says, I'll exalt you at the right time. Right. So often our difficulty submitting, listen please, so often our difficulty submitting comes because we want to, we want to be exalted and we want to be exalted at our own time. Yeah. We, what, what does that mean? Let me, let me sum it all up in just a few words. We just want to be in charge. Can I tell you that this morning? That's out of order. God's creator. right? If there's submission in the Godhead, if Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father, why on earth can we not submit to those that God puts over us? Does your life... Does your life exude a spirit of humility? Do you have a submissive spirit? Are you quick to submit to the word of God? Do you have an attitude of submission towards God's authority in your life? You know what else we're saying when we refuse to submit to God's authority? Essentially what we're saying is, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. I don't believe that's really what you want. Certainly you don't understand the scenario that I'm in. Right. The all-knowing God just missed that one. He did. I'm trying to be a helper of your joy. Some of the most joyful, peaceful, content people I've known were people that had a humble, submissive spirit. And they go through life and they go, okay, They're joy to be around. They're easy. The ones that walk on eggshells, that you you walk on eggshells around, they're the most unsubmissive, totally lack humility. Everything's got to be about them right now. Yeah. Order, Order brings submission. And submission brings obedience. See, just as love is a choice... Just as forgiveness is a choice, so too a submissive spirit is a choice. You know what the good news is today? Is that you can choose right now, from this day on, you can, you can come before God and say, you know what, I have not had a submissive spirit. 
I have not been, my life has not been marked by humility. You may even come to the Lord today and say, you know, I remember there's a time in my days when I, my Lord, I, I can see it. My life was more marked by humility and I did have more of a submissive spirit. But something has happened and I've gotten full of self and I have rejected the authority in my life that you've placed in my life and I've walked away from submissiveness and humility. And you can say this and say, but I want to come back today. Because you know what, it just, I didn't even like that time. I look back at that time of life and it really wasn't even that great. Yeah. You can choose today whether you've never had a submissive spirit, whether you've walked away from living that, that humissive, uh, submissive spirit, uh, whatever the deal is, you can choose today to walk in submission. We've been commanded to. Jesus did it. Hey, and if he's living in you by the Holy Spirit of God, he wants to live that submissive way in your life as well. Maybe it's why you lost your song. Maybe it's why you, the, thankful, the thankfulness doesn't roll off your lips like it used to. Because you're not walking in the Spirit right now. Because he's trying to walk in submission and you're not letting him. Yeah. yeah. Today. Choose today. Choose today. Maybe the Holy Spirit of God hasn't convicted you of anything at all that, you, that, that marks your life. Yeah. And uh, you just need help today just to not get turned aside from it and to continue on. I've noticed this. The most humble, submissive people don't think they are and try to do better. The most self-centered, unsubmissive people think they're doing pretty good. Yeah, just an observation. Just an observation. Let's be like Christ. Let's walk in the Spirit. And let's choose a spirit of submissiveness. Absolutely. Our Father, thank you this morning for your word and the simplicity of it. Would you help us in every aspect of our life to have a spirit of submission, a spirit of humility one to another. We're all the same fallen flesh. Every person in this room, every person listening online, we all struggle with this area of our life. We do. We should admit it readily. We, in our flesh, would much rather uh, live in pride and self-sufficiency and arrogance and our own way and our own will and trust ourselves instead of trusting you. Our flesh would love us to do that. Lord, we've seen it doesn't work at all, number one. Number two, it's not walking in the Spirit at all. So Lord, you've brought it to our mind again today and you've brought it for a reason. Father, would you change that in us today if it needs changed? Would you encourage those that are walking there to continue? We'll thank you for the work that you do in our heart and life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand this morning? The invitation is open. I tell you what, an invitation is a great time to learn submission, amen? It's amazing how many people balk at, at, uh, at uh, moving where God has told us to move. The Holy Spirit of God has spoke to you today. And you need to respond to Him this morning. Are you walking in submission this morning? Are you walking in humility? Do you walk in a humble spirit? It's a good time to ask the Lord to search you.
Friend, you cannot expect the world to use altars and come to this church and seek salvation when you sit there and don't do a thing. And you never respond to God. You can't expect the lost to do better than you. Yeah. Humble spirit. You know what I found? The, the older I get, the more difficult it is to walk in humility and submission because you come so self-sufficient. I mean, you start to know life pretty good after a while, right? I can. I got this thing figured out. I know how to. I know how to make money. I know how to pay the bills. I know how to keep from, you know, ending up in the wrong neighborhood. I mean, I. I mean, I've learned it all, man. I'm doing good. We find out the older we get, it's. Such a battle it is. May God help us to walk with Him as children, as a child in submission and trust and faith. Yeah. Amen. All right. Sun's coming out. Looks might, might get a little pretty day today. Praise the Lord. All right, we'll be back 6 o'clock tonight. And Lord willing, we'll be back in the book of Matthew. We'll see if we end up there or not. We'll see how that happens. <laughs> so good to see everybody out today. And may the Lord help us today to be, just have a submissive spirit. And uh, trust Him with that. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Brother Martin, would you close us in prayer this morning, please?